Welcome, one and all, to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 90 friggin' one. I don't, I don't know how we got this high. But um, with me, uh, we have someone new. Actually, I believe it's the first Australian to be on this podcast. So it's a very distinct privilege to welcome Andrew Brown, one of our new staffers. Hello, hello. And uh, I'm pretty sure you've listened to this podcast before. Were you around on live radio trivia too? Uh, yes. Or uh, was that before your time? Uh, I've listened to a few in the past, but um, uh, I, I'm fairly unfamiliar with the, the radio trivia, so this is a new experience for me? Well, it, you know, it's uh, it's very similar to the live format. We play songs and we talk about games. So uh, Andrew actually already knows the lineup, so he's not playing along, but uh, we'll have fun anyway. So uh, let's uh, just go into the first game here. Sure. Kind of a happy-go-lucky song there. Yes, how whimsical! It is very whimsical. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure if I would call the game whimsical. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, I guess it is. Interesting. I wonder what it is. Oh come on! You already know what it is. I'll, I'll play that game. <laughs> yeah.
for some really weird reason, this song reminds me of um, Cave Story. Maybe it's like the the kind of beep, 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 beep in the background. Uh, it's not Cave Story. I mean, we already used that game. Yeah. It, it definitely sounds like some sort of battle theme there, but uh, the, the music in this game is giving me an overall sort of a tropical feeling. I'm not sure what it is. Tropical? I'm not feeling that at all. Yeah, it, it, make, it makes me think of like a, a fantasy-style island. Wow. Really? Okay. Well, here's here's a question that will not help anyone out because it's a stupid question. <laughs> but I was, it was in a hurry. So, uh, which development company quietly worked on this entry in the long-running series? So I, I guess there's a little bit of hint that it's a, it's a series that's been around for a while. Fair enough. That completely destroyed my island vision. <laughs> I've ruined you. Yes, yes, I have been defeated. All right. Well, um, this game is... I'm going to say it wrong if I don't look it up. Uh, Children of Mana for the Nintendo DS, um, which I only played briefly at E3, but it's an entry in, in the uh, Mana series. Well, of course, uh, Secret of Mana is the best known of the, of the series. I've only played um, Secret of Mana and, and Sword of Mana, which was a port of uh, the first game for, for Game Boy Advance. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's a, it's kind of run around slash kill things. Um, I, I mean, if you're familiar with the Super Nintendo game, apparently this DS entry is more of a dungeon crawler. There, there's less exploring, or, or perhaps no exploring uh, overworld kind of a I think there's a town, but beyond that, there isn't, like, you know, fields you walk to get from dungeon to dungeon. It's all just go from dungeon to dungeon and, and, and b- fight baddies. Um, so it's it's a little less full-fleshed. Um, it, it's it's maybe a little more stripped down. And uh, I don't I don't think it received very good reviews. I, I think people complained about the controls and, and really poor hit detection, uh, which the series has always been pretty bad uh, about, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I guess it was tolerable on the Super Nintendo versus some other, like uh, Sword of Mana. I played through, but there's some serious problems with like the AI for for computer controlled characters, and uh, I suspect it still has that problem on the DS. You, this is a four player dungeon crawler. You can 
you can play with your friends on the DS, but I suspect if you're playing by yourself, um, the uh, the the uh, problems with the AI rear their head. Ah, well, this is a series I am completely unfamiliar with. I mean, uh, I only just recently got uh, Legend, not Legend of Mana, uh, Secret of Mana for the Super right. Nintendo uh, on the Virtual Console. From uh, popular uh, opinion and people always telling me, play this game, play this game, and I've only just managed to get around to actually downloading it, and I haven't actually even played it. Yeah, well, I think it's a little overrated. I mean, like, it's neat, especially, and it holds a special place in people's hearts because it was it was a pretty rare thing to find kind of a, a overworld cooperative three-player game um, and, and sort of the style of Zelda. It's not really in the style of Zelda, but it has some similarities with Zelda or Crystallis or, or one of those games, and, and you can play with up to three people, which is pretty cool on the Super Nintendo. Cool. It was a spin-off from Final Fantasy, wasn't it? Ah, so that's the misconception. That's that's the interesting thing about this series is that uh, it was its own series in Japan, but uh, it started on the Game Boy, and when they brought it over to Western Market, they relabeled it as a Final Fantasy game. It was Final Fantasy Adventure, I believe, is, is, is the thing they gave it. And so mm-hmm. uh, it started off as Final Fantasy Adventure uh, 1, and there, I don't know if there were any other ones. So Sword of Mana is a remake of Final Fantasy Adventure. For you know, It was originally Game Boy, and it was ported or remade for the GBA. Um, but it, it's, it's its own series. Um, published by Square, of course, okay. but it's its own series. And uh, so it's the Mana series, or Seiken Detsetsu series. Uh, and uh, clearly, uh, the game has good music. The, the Super Nintendo game has good music. Uh, you can hear that as one of the background songs in the, on the uh, RFN Live episode that recently went up. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting that you mentioned the similarities to Zelda, since that last track actually made me think a lot of Minish Cap for the game. Yeah, things. yeah. I, I think there, there were some similarities in the instrumentation and, and, uh, and sort of the feel. So it's a little lighthearted. I don't think it's a really serious game. You know, Dungeon Crawlers usually aren't. I don't think it's the best entry in the series. Uh, I don't. I don't. I've, I only played the E3 demo, but it didn't hold my interest terribly well. Ah, uh, you don't recommend it then. Yeah, I don't remember the DS game. I don't <laughs> recommend. Um, it's a shame because people really love this one entry in the series, and I guess there's a cult following for for the third one, which I think was Japan only, um, which is also for the Super Famicom, but. I guess the series has just gone into a slide. I don't know if that's uh, Square hasn't put enough money behind it, or they, they really don't. Have, they maybe it's going from developer to developer. Uh, the DS game was, was developed by uh, Nex Entertainment, which is uh, I wouldn't call them a tose. But they're kind of a gun for hire Japanese developer that just you know makes games on commission kind of a thing. Um, so I I guess. Maybe Mana just has never gotten their A team, or maybe since Secret of Mana, the A team has never really worked on the series. So, uh, well, well, these series tend to have their cult followings. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a um, Tales person myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Tales is another one of those long-running series where every once in a while there's one that stands out, and then there's some other ones that are, eh, okay, whatever. It's a Tales game. So, <laughs> yeah. I've only played two or three of them. So, and and. One of them I really didn't like very much. So. Uh, oh well. Well, we're gonna go on to the next game, not next, next, next. I'm sorry. It, the, the developer is Nex Next Entertainment. So, trying not to confuse you right. by confusing you. All right, we're going on to the second <laughs> song, second game. Pardon me.
One of my personal favorite music tracks ever. I love this game. Well, I'm glad I chose the right song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you're a fan of this game, I guess. So um, you have the question yes, here for I us. Am. So. All right. Uh, here we go. Around the midway point of this game, players are forced to navigate an extremely dangerous path without jumping or falling off ledges. Why is this? Something to think about. <laughs> Acoustic and dangerous. I like it. Well, we can't go too many episodes without an entry in this series. It is Castlevania for the N64. And that's actually its its real name. It's just 
Castlevania. Not it's known as Castlevania sixty four, but it's actually just called Castlevania. Yes, it, it has a really good soundtrack. I, I don't think anyone's disputed that that I'm aware of, but a lot of people say this is a really bad game. Yeah, it got blasted by reviewers everywhere. It was horrible. They they didn't give the game a chance. I think it's because it came out the same time as uh, the PlayStation One. Symphony of the Night? Oh, of course. I figured this game came out a few years later than Symphony of the Night. I mean that. Well, everyone was comparing it to Symphony of the Night at the time. As they, as is natural. <laughs> Pretty much every game since then, of course, yes. Um, but uh, you know, this was the first in in the. Uh, 3D Castlevania games, which have been pretty much derided uh, up until uh, that three the 3D series was sort of ripped out of Konami proper's hands, and they they basically plastered uh, Castlevania on <laughs> a Spanish developer's uh, game. Oh, really? Well, that's what the latest one is, isn't it? Isn't it? It's uh, it was a developer in, in Spain where they uh, I'm linking out on the new PS3 and Xbox 360 game. But uh, um, but yeah. I mean that one's pretty well received. But I mean in general, the, you know, like the PS2 games that came out on for Castlevania, they were all kind of seen as just sort of boring or bland. What 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 makes this game good in your mind? I mean, clearly you're a fan of it, so I uh, I think it's generally the the atmosphere of the game. I mean, this was the first Castlevania game in the series that I actually played. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, I've gone back and finished all the the NES games and the Super Nintendo and everything like that. But um, uh, it just sort of had this atmosphere that draws you in, and there's this underlying storyline going on in the background, even though it's essentially a 3D platforming uh, fighting-style game. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so the storytelling is—is it, is it kind of? Uh, can you liken it to any of the games that sort of like the, the in Metroid, the 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 background story that you find by scanning things, or is it a little more uh, prominent than that? It's a little bit like it. Uh, I mean, there's the storyline's not optional in this game. Okay. It, it is forced down your neck. But uh, you reach a certain point and you see, say, a mysterious character in a building who threatens you and then leaves the room or something, and you find you find yourself chasing them down and uh, just exploring the mansion and discovering more. And uh, as the game goes on, you you find out more about this side cast of characters. Mm. And uh, it's just uh, an interesting game. It's it has things that were new to the series, uh, time-based elements. Like uh, in one particular level, you have to wait to a spe- uh, for a specific moment in each night when something would happen in a particular room. Mm. And if you you didn't get the clue, you wouldn't know where to go or how to finish that level. Interesting. A little little bit of like Majora's Mask or something going on there. A little bit. Although yeah. this came out before that, so I, I really shouldn't yeah. say that, but. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's interesting. I yeah. mean, so, so the question is involved with uh, uh, some uh, dangerous platforming. Oh yes, uh, in the the midway level, I think it's called Castle Center. Uh, you're actually forced to carry a vial of, uh, I guess it's 15th century nitroglycerin. They call it magic <laughs> nitro. Great. Um, you have to essentially carry it from one end of the castle uh, through a few floors and uh, down a few flights of stairs to the other side to be able to fight the boss of the level and ultimately finish that level. But the path that makes you follow is incredibly dangerous and excruciatingly hard. It has a series of winding platforms that you must uh, walk across the top of that if you spend too long on each platform they actually collapse. There's lizard men down on the floor below shooting fire at you, so you can't go too slowly. Uh, eventually it makes you walk between the, the teeth of rotating clock gears, these, this gigantic machine, and if you touch even, if you even nick any one little point of any of the gears, that's it, game over, kaboom. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, uh, what brilliant level design. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm surprised that's in the middle of the game, too. I mean, that sounds like the, the hardest part of the game, or at least in in terms of the cynical level design or game design and, and it's smack in the middle so it's like if you get stuck there you're missed out on half the game that's pretty much i, I think it's just the the sudden change of pace from the rest of the series i mean you can get through by uh the other levels by just killing everything in your path yeah. but this way you actually have to avoid everything and it, it's quite hair raising one of the most uh 
one of the actual times I've actually feared for my character's life while playing a game. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly a different way of <laughs> getting something scary than like Resident Evil did at the same time, where you know, spring spring loaded dogs or whatever. Didn't Resident Evil One have a a situation like this as well near the end, carrying a bomb or some sort? I don't recall that, but it's been so long since I played Resident Evil, and and I only played the GameCube remake of it, so um, uh, I really don't remember. Yeah, it's possible. I, I'll right? just go ahead and say Castlevania did it first, then. They can take the credit. <laughs> For bad level design. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on to the next game here. Oh, uh, I, I should mention, although this was uh, Andrew's uh, selection, it was also a request by Random Flashbang. So uh, it is also a listener request. And the next two games are actually also listener requests. So uh, we've got quite a few this episode. Nice. Uh, so we're continuing on with the kind of creepy soundtrack, apparently. Yes. But I, I think the next one's a little more cheerful.
How festive. Yeah, very Celtic, huh? Hmm. All right, here's your question. Which main character in this game must die in battle with the final boss before the player can successfully defeat that final boss? Jeez, that's harsh. It's kind of a pleasant song, yeah. uh, more pleasant than the game itself, um, <laughs> which uh, kind of like uh, the first two games was poorly received. Although I think this one was more poorly received than uh, either Children of Mana or Castlevania. This is uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring for the Super Nintendo. And it's very impressive for a Super Nintendo game in terms of uh, of the audio there. But... Um, it's it's an adventure game that relies very 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 heavily on fetch quests in which you uh, walk from one end of the uh, world to the other and then back and then forth and whatever handing off items to non-player characters. Oh, fun! Um, I, I think it tries pretty hard to follow the the story of the of, of the books. Um, ah yes, and, and so presumptuously, I think there's like a part one as part of the title, but there was never a part two or a part three made because uh, it, it was the game that bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Actually, this, this was requested by Jeremy Holly from Huntsville, Alabama, who you might know from the forums as Sanjulos, oh. and uh, and he he wrote a little something. I actually want to read it verbatim. He he wrote something in his email. I watched a Let's Play series on Lord of the Rings, and apparently Gandalf has to die by the Balrog's hand before the game will actually let the Balrog die, regardless of the number of hits that the player has dealt to the boss. Unfortunately, the game doesn't really give the player any clue about this. As the author of the Let's Play video says, this is one of the few times the gameplay actually tries to follow the books. So maybe it doesn't really follow the books, except for in this <laughs> situation. So uh, Gandalf dies, in, 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 of course, in, in the movie and in, in, in the books. He, I guess the, the bridge collapses, and in, in in, I guess Balrog's the name of the monster. The monster uh, brings Gandalf down with him, Gandalf the Grey. And so in this game, I, I guess he has to die in battle, although <laughs> that's sort of weird. 
because in the books when he died that's how they escaped I, I don't know if you escape as soon as he dies in the game or if you still have to kill the boss uh, after Gandalf dies <laughs> maybe the boss has a traumatic shock after seeing Gandalf die yeah, maybe I can't handle it I'm out of here too hmm yeah okay yeah, uh, the uh, Sunjilis also mentions that another weird instance of, of following the books is that Boromir never travels with the party in the game hmm. um I guess it had ambitions of following the book, but maybe that came at the cost of gameplay. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was just poorly developed. I, I don't know. I don't really know the history behind the development of this game, but uh, sounds like it was a pretty bad game. <laughs> I'm tempted to track it down now. I, I do have an, uh, an uh, affliction with, uh, I suppose I should say, uh, a. Um, interest in playing games that everyone says were bad because sometimes you find this little gem in there but mm-hmm. uh, it, well, cer- certainly there, sometimes people hop on a bandwagon and say something's bad when it really isn't I mean you certainly see that a lot but absolutely if it turns out the game is actually actually bad then it's all the more fun to play you can make fun of it as you go find the little uh, foibles they made while programming such such my, my friend I think you are our new Jeff Shirley <laughs> for for those unfamiliar, Jeff Shirley uh, used to be on staff, and he he enjoyed reviewing bad games. He didn't he didn't like to try to review a good game because he never knew what to say. It's too hard to to break down for him what's good about it. It's much easier to play bad games and explain why they're bad. So so he, if if uh, if you're newer to the site, uh, go dig up some old Jeff Shirley reviews because some of them are really funny. Um, he, he had a lot of fun doing some unconventional re- reviews that just poke fun at a... Well, I have to admit, it is fun to complain. All right, we got one more listener request here. It's also requested by two people. Let's just uh, play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yep. Once again, we're, we're going for the the kind of creepy, unsettling music for for song one. Hmm. Yeah.
Sweet. Wow. Sounds awesome. It does. I want to play this. Uh, yeah, I think I do too. But uh, we'll, we'll tell you how you can play it. Well, tell you what the game is after the second, after the next song. But uh, here's a hint. What license was this originally going to use in North America? And it was not actually used, but it was planned. sounds like it was intended to have vocal lyrics. Really? Yeah, just the uh, the tune there seems to suggest something needs to be said about this track. I'll, I'll talk about the track. Um, hmm. it, it's, a, it's a Sunsoft game, um, and a lot of Sunsoft games had that kind of rich uh, sound to it. Uh, I don't know if it was the instrumentation of the NES sound chip that, that was sort of distinctly Sunsoft, but... Uh, this is Journey to Silius, uh, which I've never seen in action before, but it, it's a run-and-gun game, um, a little bit like a Contra game. You, you have a selection of weapons, and I think as you defeat bosses, you collect more weapons, you can switch them on. A little bit like Mega Man. A little bit, yeah, maybe a little bit like Mega Man, too. It's, I don't know, I mean, I guess it's less complex than maybe something like Blaster Match, because that's a pretty linear game, but... Uh, it has a really good soundtrack. It looks like the, the gameplay is pretty good. I do not think it was released in PAL regions. I think it was just Japan and North America. I, I will have to correct you there. I actually looked it up on Wikipedia as we speak. It says here at uh, the European version of the game, it uh, it was released and it actually had a sprite character from or a character sprite from Raffworld, a previous Sunset game. Really? Because because I, I thought that Raffworld was the Japanese version of the game, and they. When they brought it to the U.S., it, it's, uh, it was originally going to use the Terminator license, but... Uh, Wasn't that the trivia question? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm explaining it. Well, there we go. Yeah. I see what it says here, yes. It's, uh, 
it, well, the original was Raffworld, but it was going to be retooled for Terminator, mm -hmm. and they lost the Sunsoft lost the license to the movie rights. Right, so they wound up just throwing in their own character, I guess. The last, hmm. yeah. Interesting. It, it, from screenshots here, it looks like a, a pretty good game. I'm going to track this down. I, I don't think it's on Virtual Console, although you know they, they've been slowly trickling out these uh, Sunsoft games for the NES, so who knows? Maybe maybe this will show up too. Well, that would be nice. The last, <laughs> the last Sunsoft game I actually played was uh, Roadrunner for the Super Nintendo. I, I want to play that again. Mm, okay. My memory might be hazy, but I'm pretty sure we've used that game. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, yep, I don't know what else there is to say about it. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a fun game. I really hope it comes out at some point for Virtual Console because uh, in the only other format it's been released on as a was a kind of a collection of uh of euphoria and uh journey to Cilius, although it was only in japan so it was the japanese names so uh, this game is kind of underexposed um and i, and I think there's a kind of a, a a fan base for it so i'd i'd get it i mean i liked uh, euphoria and this is from the same sunsoft era yeah if it's similar to say contra i'm sure i'd love it uh, this was requested by uh, my old roommate Steve Ronsley as well as 120. So, thanks guys. It's a, it's a good pick. Got one last game, and it, it's from the patented push random and, and see what you get kind of approach. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's any good. Nice. reminded of chips challenge that i know chips challenge but remind me what it is it was an old uh, dos based uh, game for early windows systems it involved running around mazes looking for little computer microchips oh um, yeah it was uh, notoriously long i think there was something like 900 levels or something like that and it was just ridiculously difficult by the end of the game and uh uh, it just had this same... I think there was two or three music tracks in the whole game that we just play over and over. It was uh, interesting, but kind of annoying. <laughs> well, actually, uh, that's kind of a relevant discussion for, for this game. We, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you already know what game this is, but... Um, yes, not not to downplay this game or anything, but... Uh, I, well, th this, this game um, has more songs than, than three, fortunately. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. And here's one of them. Thank you. 
interesting. All right, here, here's a question for you. The creator of the Atari ST and Amiga versions of this game called this port by ASCII a disaster. Who is this individual? going to go ahead and guess boss battle for that one actually that's the menu select screen really yeah wow yeah it's how threatening yeah uh actually that's the only song that i think is carried over maybe the title screen too but but the the original version of this game was was as i mentioned for uh the uh, the atari st and the amiga um and uh, it didn't have as much music, and, and uh, this SNES port, uh, the added extra music. That's the only real good thing about, about the port that has extra music. Um, it's actually kind of a crummy port. And uh, I should probably should actually tell you the game. Uh, the title yeah. of the game? Yeah. So the, the game is Spin Dizzy Worlds for the Super Nintendo, uh, which is a sequel to Spin Dizzy, which I'd never heard of before. It's, it's a UK... Essentially, it's a PC game. Um, it, it was it was one of those games in the heyday of of uh, PC and pseudo PC slash console games in in the UK. This one's kind of like Marble Madness. It, it has that same isometric perspective, and, and you're controlling a top and has to maneuver through uh, various environments that may have some angles or, or you know ledges and things like that. I think Spin Dizzy. Uh, is a little more puzzly, especially Spin Dizzy Worlds, is as they're like elevators and and a lot more ramps and maybe some things to collect. Um, but it, ultimately, it, it kind of in the same vein as Marble Madness, um, although a bit more ambitious. Uh, and you play as a top, and it, it's unclear to me how the controls work. I I think maybe you accelerate and brake and you turn left and right, so. Depending on the direction, right might really be left, and left might be really right. But I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I couldn't really figure out what the, how the controls exactly work. But they're, they're, I think they're a little convoluted. But um, the the SNES port was done by a different company. The the, the game was published by uh, Activision, our friends Activision, and uh, and it was developed by Paul Shirley, who did the original Spin Dizzy. But uh, apparently Activision was interested in, in selling the rights to a SNES port. And uh, Paul didn't really like that idea. He told him no. But they went ahead and did it anyway. So they, they sold the rights to ASCII. ASCII made, made the game, released it in Japan and in, 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 uh, the U.S. at least. And, um, and Paul was pretty pissed off at that. Uh, he claims it's a bad version of it. I, I think it does have a little bit wonkier controls. But uh, he never really got royalties for that. I think he was in a protracted battle for lo- royalties for uh, for that. So basically, he said no. So they went ahead and did it anyway, and just didn't tell him about it. Was basically what happened. Uh, Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So there's a little bit of history on on uh, Activision. That's quite a, <laughs> a story of assholishness. There. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, I could definitely see a publisher like Activision doing something like that here. 
they're uh, they're known for their burn and turn tactics, things like that. You know? I suppose you could call them activists. Uh, no. Insert joke. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting game. I think it'd actually be a fun game to play, but it doesn't really it isn't really fun to watch videos of. It's you know, if you can imagine kind of a little bit slow paced meandering through uh, worlds. It's a little bit collectathonish though, which, which worries me. I'm not sure if I'd enjoy that. It has maybe that that uh, the same strain that Rare went to with the collecting. <laughs> um, but um, it, it it's an interesting game. I'd probably be more interested in playing the uh, the original version, which would be the the uh, Amiga or Atari ST. They were it was kind of multi-platform because um, it looks like it runs a little better, even though it doesn't have music. It, uh, the graphics are more detailed, uh, more better animated. So I I think I'd prefer to play it on that. But um, it's a strange game. Um, I'll give it that. And there aren't that many games like Marble Madness, especially with that isometric uh, view. So. Yeah, and um, puzzle games, in, as you said, puzzle games in that sort of genre are, are few and far between. It does look interesting from what I can see here. So. Yeah. I have no idea how you'd go about finding a copy or playing it at this point. I, I guess maybe the Super Nintendo version is the most common version. I, I don't know. You don't really see those games, you know, those platforms, the games for those platforms reprised very often, so... Uh, wasn't there a recent one on the either the GameCube or the Wii? Uh, it uh, involved a ball of metal or something. Uh, it was like molten metal. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was uh, it was like Mercury um, meltdown or Mer- Mercury. Oh, meltdown. meltdown. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, that was actually really good. I, I didn't play it, but I heard lots of good things. I, I didn't play it because I heard there were some color-based puzzles, and I, I was wary of that because sometimes uh, my red, red, green color blindness uh, gets the better of me. In those kinds of games, I, oh dear! That's one reason why I I, I can't play some uh, puzzle games that require you to match things of a certain color. Sometimes they just they choose a color that's just so similar to another color they've chosen, and uh, even if they have a different logo or some other subtle hint, it, it just it doesn't help enough usually. Uh, Yikes! I'd say steer clear of D Blob then. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with the Blob when I saw it. At, at E3, I'm not. I'm not sure really. Besides, does it really matter what color you you paint uh, to well, play that uh, game? Some of the the quests in the game actually say paint this row of buildings green or this row red. Or, I, or whatever yeah, I don't think I'd have a problem with that. I, you know, I, I rarely run into that problem, and, and it's more with older games where they're using very primary colors, um, or in, in some strange case like or Puzzle Bobble or Bust a Move where they have like orange and then they have. I guess it's red. They look very similar to me, but um, or maybe it's orange and green. Yeah. But anyway, enough of my uh, my uh, rambling <laughs> medical problems. Um, this was the last game. I, I don't really have anything else to say, so I, I think we should just sort of call it a night here. Did we do the bonus question? Yeah. Oh, did, did I say the name of the developer? Uh, the, the, oh, right. the developer's name was Paul Shirley. Uh, I don't yes, remember if I, if right. I said yes. that or not, but. Uh, I don't think he's developed any other games. I, I, I did a quick search and I couldn't find any other games he's known for. So it, it may have just been a, a, a dabbling of his that he never really pursued any further. Well, if it was his one-hit wonder, no wonder yeah. he was a bit miffed with the copyright thing. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. These things happen. Yeah. Well, we're going to call it a night, like I said. So uh, thank you, Andrew. Not Andy. Sorry. Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> well... Thank you. It was very nice being here. Uh, forgive the uh, first-time jitters. Nah, nah. I think it was a fun episode. And uh, like, right, and, well, and so, uh, if you like the games, uh, or if you didn't, uh, you can send your requests to typ at nintendoworldreport.com and uh, you may be on the next episode or <laughs> a year from now, uh, as uh, I believe Lord of the Rings request was. It was requested <laughs> a year ago, but. Uh, but sooner or later, I will get to it. So please send you your crest. Please, please, please do. Good night, everyone. All right. Ciao.
Children of Mana is copyright 2006 Square Enix. Castlevania is copyright 1999 Konami. J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, Volume 1, is copyright 1994 Interplay Productions. Journey to Sillies is copyright 1990 Sunsoft. Spin Busy Worlds is copyright 1992 Activision ASCII.